Live Creative Now, episode 130. Welcome to Live Creative Now with Melissa Dinwiddie, a weekly podcast to inspire you to create your art and share your work, because that's how you will change the world. Hello, I am Melissa Dinwiddie, passion pluralite artist, happiness catalyst, and creativity instigator, and author of The Creative Sandbox Way, which you can find at an Amazon near you, here to address all your questions about living a full-color creative life. Whether you think of yourself as not artistic, not creative, which is a lie, or you think of yourself as an artist of any kind or anything in between, no matter how you define yourself, feeding your creative hungers makes you feel more alive. It's how you change your life and it's how you change the world because that's how it works, you guys. Change your own life and guess what? The world changes. And I'm so excited to have a guest conversation for you today. Today, my guest is Van Lai Dumon. Van spelled V-A-N, but pronounced Van like fun with a V. Van is part business consultant, part employee engagement facilitator, and part, she calls herself creative instigator. Sound familiar? It's, it should. (laughs) She knows how to steal like an artist. Based on my own label of creativity instigator, we talk about that right up front. And Vun has a her own business called WorkSmart. And with that business, she designs and develops business workshops to create a culture of idea sharing, which we talk a lot about. Right up front, we talk a lot about that. We also talk about the whole concept of considering yourself an artist. Fun does not consider herself an artist, even though she creates art all the time. And we talk about that and a whole lot more. I first met Vun back in June at the Creative Problem Solving Institute, which is a conference on applied creativity, applied creativity, in Buffalo, New York. I shuttled off to Buffalo to this conference and I met Van the very first day and we talked in the hot sun in June at the Creative Problem Solving Institute. I didn't know anyone there and Van and I somehow found each other and we talked for, I think it was at least an hour the first day after we registered when there was really nothing going on and I knew that I had found a kindred spirit. We just talked and talked and talked and talked and talked. And of course, I had to bring her on to the podcast. And as you will hear later in the episode, we seem to tap into some kind of universal creative something. The same way that people who have near-death experiences seem to tap into the same universal consciousness and they They come back with the same kinds of stories, same kinds of images. We we did the same thing. And at one point, 
although Vaughn has never read my book, she's she had never listened to my podcast or read the blog, she was essentially quoting my entire philosophy back to me. Because this stuff is universal, you guys. It's not like I made it up out of whole cloth. It's universal. These principles are universal. And when you meet someone who is speaking your language, every cell in your body vibrates at the same frequency. And that is resonance. Capiche? So have a listen and let me know if you resonate. Leave a comment over in the show notes, livecreativenow.com slash 130. This is episode 130. So enjoy my conversation with Von So tell me, Von, tell me about, first of all, tell me about what you do. Okay. So, you know, like what I do right now is I bring creativity to businesses and it has been a struggle for me to kind of define what I do. So what I talk about now is I describe what I do as part business consulting, part part employee engagement facilitator. And I just heard this word, which I really like, is I'm a creative instigator. Right, we got, do you love that? That's well, from you. You got that from me. I got that from you. Okay, I stole that. Sorry. So you are welcome to use it. <laughs> yes, the best form of flattery, right? <laughs> Absolutely, it's a good word. I and I didn't make it up. So <laughs> okay, good. good to know. So we both got it from somewhere. Um, so when my business works, Mark, what I do is I design and facilitate professional development and business growth workshops through creative art projects. Um, and you don't have to be an artist. I just use art as a tool to help companies develop their team's creative strengths, um, build a creative mindset, and help build a culture of idea sharing. Oh, I like that. A culture of idea sharing. Yes. I might steal that from you. Take it. It's yours. <laughs> <laughs> so- I- I love that. That's what I love about our community of creatives. Like, oh, just have it, whatever you want. <laughs> we definitely, one of the, one of the, um, our core values in my, in my work is collaboration over competition. Like there's, mm. a, right. That is so important. Yeah. I, I feel like my, in my, in my own life, I feel like I spent, I've spent way too much energy feeling competitive with other people. Yes. And it has not ever helped me in any way. Right. I absolutely. And I feel like, and it, it builds that sense of, oh, they're better than me. I'm not good enough. But when we're sharing ideas, then you're just learning and you're, we're, all, we're all benefiting. Yeah. And also when, when I have noticed myself, and this is, this is where I have a thing called my golden formula, which is self-awareness plus self-compassion. Uh-huh. equals the key to everything good. It's a little mathematical formula. Self-awareness plus self-compassion equals the key to everything good. So when I notice, that's the self-awareness piece, uh-huh. I notice myself getting into that competitive place, which is that place of, of scarcity, right? Yes. It's that scarcity place. When I notice myself getting there, and then I'm, then I'm able to make a choice, right? Then I'm able to pull myself, make a choice. Do I want to stay there, right? Yes. And then, then I can choose, no, I don't want to stay there. And then I can take on the attitude of collaboration, right? right? And when I can make that choice, which is a self-compassionate choice, good things happen. All, every time. 
every time. It's about recognizing it and being able to pull yourself out of that, that mentality of scarcity and competition. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. And the more you do it, the more you realize and recognize like that is the way to go. Cause you, you will start seeing the benefits of collaboration over competition. Yeah. It's interesting too, because when we were at, when we met at the Sipsy mm-hmm. conference, one of the keynote speakers talked about his, his whole talk was about letting go. Oh yes. And giving things away freely. Yeah, absolutely. And how challenging that can be. That is that place of noticing when you're getting into that scarcity mindset and that place of competition and opening yourself up to that place of collaboration, right? Right. Yeah, I agree. Wow. Um, On the same page with collaboration. My God, because that can just open you open you up to all kinds of potential, who knows, partnerships and opportunities that wouldn't be there if you stayed in the that competition place. And I think it's such a key element of creativity. When we talk about creativity in the workplace, you know, I do it through art, but the I just do it through art as a tool, but when we talk about creative in the workplace, it is about people learning how to share ideas, to collaborate, be open to letting go of their initial idea and letting people add to it. Yeah. And that, by the way, is a principle of improv. We were just talking about that. Mm-hmm. Yes. that <laughs> well, I because as I told you, <laughs> I've shied away from improv. I'm sure you can pull that out of me at some point. <laughs> But that's a principle of improv is that you're open to whatever, whatever your scene partner Mm -hmm. has just done. You, you might, you might have an idea of where the scene is going. You better let that go. You got to let that go because something else has just been put on the table. And so you're going to have to embrace that and then add something to that. Absolutely. Right. And what, what organization could not benefit from that type of mindset within all their employees? Absolutely. So tell me more about how, how your workshops, like how, how might pick one of your workshops and what, what might it look like? Okay. So one of the, so I, so I do, um, I've narrowed it down to like four different workshops, but one of the workshops I, I currently do is team art installations. So we will go into an organization and whether they have core values or a vision statement, if they already do, we work with that with their team and we do interactive activities to facilitate either building those core values, building that vision statement or helping people internalize it. Cause I have worked for companies. I came up with this, this workshop because I've worked for large corporations before where you're just like, as part of your contract, you're like, Oh, and by the way, here's your mission statement, you know, but it means <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> Great. You, you CEO have given me a mission statement that I'm supposed to somehow embody and it just doesn't work. So one of our workshops is, um, is called from the bottom up. So building um, core values, a uh, company's vision statement, literally from the bottom up. So the way that looks is we start by taking the individual and facilitating um, facilitating a, a part of the workshop where they literally get to sit there and think about like, what are my own personal core values? Um, and then we break out into small groups, about five or six, where they will share their core values with the other people on, the, on, the, on that team and come up with common core values. And they'll agree, they may have used different words for it, but this is where the discussion comes in, the collaboration. You may say, like, happiness is a core value of me and someone, or to me, and someone might say, oh, um, being, having fun might be 
a core value. And, but possibly in conversation, those might mean the same thing, right? So you have to come to that collaboration. And then what we do is from that, we come into a large group and here's where I allow them to facilitate. I kind of take a step back and I will choose people, two people who are not leaders in the organization to lead this part. So uh, those couple people go up and lead the facilitation of taking all those groups' core values now, shared core values, what do we want to define as our core values for this company? Or what is the vision statement for this company? And now it's come from the bottom up. Now everyone's been invested in it. Um, and it, for, for that particular workshop, we'll do two things depending on what the client wants. We might do individual, like a woodblock value statements where, where um, the individuals can literally just collage what that value statement means to them. Or what I've been really trying to push out there, because I think it's just an amazing activity, is we will work with the artist and build out a large-scale art piece. Um, so we'll have an artist there sketching this out, sketching an idea out on, you know, maybe a five-foot by six-foot canvas, and everyone will get an opportunity to contribute to that to the art piece. And then they can hang that up in their office. Oh, wow. Like so that would then become a permanent part? Like, yes. Yes. So it's, it's a reminder of what they work towards that day. And it, people are very visual. So, you know, for them to have that piece in their, in their office, hanging in the hallway. So as a constant reminder of what they work on that day, as a constant reminder of how the company's mission statement, the company's values, first of all, came from them um, and what it means to them every day. Oh my God. That's amazing. Have you. you have you gotten a chance to do that yet? We did. We did it with um, we did it with a, a, it's interesting. So I so I live in Los Angeles, so I work with a lot of industry people, right? So I did this this group of talent management people who they're very focused on you know making money, like getting the deal. So walking in there it was pretty intimidating because no one seemed to want to be there at all. They're like like where's my next deal? <laughs> Um, but once we started going and they were, they, they were able to express, you know, their individual values and statements, they, everyone got into it. And it's so interesting to me how once you put art supplies in front of people, everyone breaks down into a child, right? Wow. Do, do you get any pushback from people who were like, oh, I'm not artistic? Every day. Yeah. Every single workshop, I have people who say I'm not artistic. And I tell them, I don't define myself as an artist, you know, but we are all creative, whether you believe so or not. Like we are, all, as humans, we're all innately creative. Um, and then we just break it down for them. We, and I make it easy. I have a lot of materials that, you know, collaging materials, stencils, so that even if you don't think you're creative, you can make something. And more often than not, people who say they're not creative stun me with the work they do. Yeah right? When they just allow themselves to express their creativity, because we're all creative. So it doesn't, and, and I, what I also lead workshops with saying is like, whatever you make today has to make sense to nobody but you. And it barely has to make sense to you, <laughs> right? It's just a way to physically express your creativity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do, do you, have you ever had anybody in a workshop who just resisted the whole time and just ended up like never getting into it? You know, I, that's an interesting question because I, I think that my, that's my biggest fear, but I've never had it happen. Yeah, that's I've never had someone walk away from it. And even if it, even the, per, 
you know, even if people are intimidated by it, they can at least paint a canvas, you know, a woodblock white and cut out a couple pictures and put it on there. Yeah. Because right? what, you're, what you're giving them are things that are so simple that they can participate in it. It's not like you're telling them to, I don't know, paint the Mona Lisa or something like that. Oftentimes, oftentimes I did another workshop um, just this past May, um, 220 people and it was, they were grouped in groups of 10 and they did something for, you know, it was just, it was for strictly team building and they were donating these pieces of art to the local YMCA. So every group of five, every five groups had a different theme. Like one had a fairy tale theme, one had a sports theme. So it was a competition, um, you know, kind of getting people, people to, to really like have a little bit of a competitive edge. And, and they literally just got blank canvases and different types of art material. And, you, and we said, your theme is a fairy tale. And they got each, each team of 10 had two canvases, um, six feet by three feet. And they were supposed to make those two canvases come together to make a cohesive picture. And again, like all we gave them were paints, some colored markers, tissue paper, um, yarn, like just raw materials. And the things these people came up with were remarkable. Some people layered one canvas over the other and cut a hole in it to do um, Rapunzel up on a castle. Yeah. We did the hair out of, you know, out of the hole. It was just amazing. So, so what I love about, you know, both our businesses is that when you allow people to express their creativity, they surprise themselves. And oftentimes they surprise me. Yeah. I remember back when I was a calligrapher, a freelance working calligrapher and artist. Mm -hmm. And I taught a lot for, for there was a period where I was teaching a lot around the country, uh, an itinerant pen for hire. And I would teach calligraphy classes and book arts classes around the country. And a lot of people who get into calligraphy do so because they think I'm not an artist. Mm. I can't draw, but I have good handwriting. So I'll become a calligrapher. So interestingly enough, a lot of people in my classes had a lot of baggage about, you know, I'm not creative. I'm not an artist. Mm. And so really way back then, this is, I'm talking 20 years ago, long before I ever thought of myself as a creativity instigator, that was actually what I was doing was unlocking people's creativity. And that was the thing that really lit me up the most was you know, giving people permission to be creative and, and people would blow my mind. The things that they would come up with, I do these like book arts classes and stuff and Uh people would just, you know, their technical skills might not be very refined, but the ideas and the things that they would come up with and I would get so excited and I remember people would sort of look at me like, really, this is, this is good. You know, and I'd be like, oh my God, this is amazing. I would, I wish I had come up with this, you know? Yes. And I think um, visual art, whether it's calligraphy, painting, collaging, it's just the lowest hanging fruit to get people to think creatively. Yeah. Right? When you said, when you said, like, I wish I had thought about that. Well, how else would you have gotten that person to share that idea other than to, to give them that, that venue to do it? Right. Um, so when we talk about bringing that into the, the business environment, really, is, it's, it's really the same thing. Right. It's like, everyone's got good ideas. I was listening to, um, I don't even know what it was. Maybe it was a podcast or a radio show, but someone was saying like, 
every, the CEO might have a good idea, but you know what? The frontline person has good ideas too. Exactly. Everyone has good ideas. And it's just like, who's being heard? And, you know, imagine if I write this about this on my, on my website too. Imagine if your organization, your leaders, um, acknowledge that everyone has good ideas and value creativity at every level. Right. And exactly. gave people, a, gave everyone a voice to share ideas. Absolutely. How innovative could some companies be? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's one of the beautiful things about giving people an opportunity to use their hands to create something, use a different modality. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the business world, it's so much about speaking and writing and, you know, that very limited way of interacting and, and being creative. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's so many other ways of accessing our ideas and our creativity. And when we open up those different modalities, it, it just accesses this completely other, the, uh, and the other side of your brain, really. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it sadly, lays dormant in a lot of businesses, business environments. Right. Yeah. So, how did you get into this? So, I again, I don't, I don't consider myself an artist. I've always been creative. I was that kid who my mom would buy me a new pair of shoes. I the first thing I do is take a paintbrush to them. <laughs> right. Wow. So I've always been creative. And I, I never followed that. You know, I went to school like I should have. I um, went to college, got my MBA, started working in the business world, but never felt completely right to me. And I, and I fortunately got into a lot of training positions, management positions, where I was able to develop training um, and implement some of, the, some of my own ideas into it. And where I found myself about about five or six years ago was working in the pharmaceutical medical industry and in a place in my career where I just felt completely stuck and I had drifted so far from my creativity that it became very clear to me that the lack of creative creativity in my life was having a negative effect on me personally and in my business. I really kind of stopped caring about what I was doing at work. Um, and I didn't feel engaged. I didn't feel satisfied with what I was doing. So I simply started bringing creativity back into my life. I, remember, I think I remember like going and buying an easel and a canvas and some paint and just starting to paint at night um, and starting to do arts and crafts, you know, just like painting a chair from my, from my office. And it really changed everything for me. Even though I wasn't being directly creative at work, I saw how being creative in my personal life impacted the way I showed up at work. I was more open to new ideas. I was more vocal in presenting my ideas because I felt engaged and I was willing to try new things Um, and just happier overall, just happier. Um, And so at that point, I'm like, I, if this is impacting me this way, you know, this positively, um, if create brain creators impact me this positively, then I think other people would benefit from it too. So this is that six years ago where I started having this idea and only two, no, maybe three years ago now, I took that idea and I started a business called Craftivity Events, um, designing and facilitating personal and professional development workshops. Um, and for me, starting was the hardest part because I think really that idea, the Craftivity Events, that name and the idea came, came up six years ago when I was feeling this way. It took me three years to actually move on it. And I remember the very first workshop I did well, the planning of it happened on my front lawn with my friend Andrea, who is a life coach. And we were both like, I really have this idea, but I don't know. Like, I'm scared. Should we do this? We're like, okay, we're going to do this together. 
So we put a date in the calendar and we said, we're going to do together a New Year's intention workshop. And we did it. And people loved it. It was so well received. Um, and honestly, it was friends and friends of friends. And that's just, but you know, you just have to start somewhere. So we just started. Um, so from there, I built a website for crafted events. I held workshops in my backyard studio. I held workshop, workshops at my friend Gus's art studio. And then I kind of let it go and started thinking about like, because um, even though that's what I really thought I wanted to do, it just didn't feel quite right to me. And I met with someone who I just met at a networking event. I was telling about this corporate aspect of my business I wanted to pursue. And he said, like, you know, if that's what you, if that's what you're interested in, and that's where you are, you feel comfortable, I bet you that's where you can make the most, you, you can make the most impact. Um, mm. that's and I was, started. was Craftivity Events, was that, who was your audience for that company? Oh, I literally just um, emailed all my friends all the time. <laughs> Like that was my mailing list, my mom and 100 friends. <laughs> oh, wow. I just, like, just, it was really just, um, and I would have to say it was mostly females and it was like groups of women would come together for like a little, a little art workshop and it always has some sort of personal professional development aspect to it. Um, so, so yes, yeah, so I started facilitating these workshops in my backyard. I decided to go with with um, a business idea, but as I start marketing productivity events um, to businesses, I realized no one's, no one's, you know, this isn't catching on. Um, it was a little too much about personal development. So I just redid the whole thing. I reestablished my business um, and made it you know, what it is now work smart with the tagline creativity is good for business. And and redevelop and redesign my workshops to be more business related. Um, and that's where I am now. Wow. So smart. Yeah. So now we offer those, like I was saying, those team art installations. We offer workshops addressing like, something where we make like creative problem solving, defining a team's core values and vision from the bottom up. We do a workshop called Know Your Why, which addresses um, operating from your authentic values and strengths so you can stay engaged at work and not get burnt out. Um, and as we talked about before, our workshops include interactive discussion, facilitation, and some correlating art projects. Wow. And I know since you and I met at the Creative Problem Solving Institute, have you been incorporating creative problem solving, the creative problem solving process in your workshops? Yes. And I feel like that was the missing link. Right. Cause like, it's interesting. Like we we're talking about the fact that businesses, when they, if you look at my website, it's all about creativity. There's paintings and pictures all over the place. Businesses don't really buy that. They did. They buy what your tools or tactics are going to solve. Right. So, so by bringing the idea that creativity can help you solve problems or find more innovative ideas that's really helped me have a, um, when you talk about sales, you talk about like needs, features, benefits. It's really giving me the need to talk to them about, right? The, the needs and the benefits. Like the features are clear, like, oh, you might have, you can have this huge art piece in your, in your hallway and your, 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 your team will have this experience of being creative. So the features were always very easy for, easy for me to discuss and talk about. But it was just trying to, to figure out those needs and features that, that would actually make an executive or an HR director say yes to one of these workshops. 
So are you able to articulate that now? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like it's, it's, it's been helpful. So to, to be able to talk about, we come in and teach you how to brainstorm and come up with new ideas in a creative way um, is more appealing to them than have a giant art piece in your hallway. <laughs> <laughs> Right. And people will have fun and have a lot of, you know, and be creative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Businesses are really about the bottom line. So Absolutely. what, what, what's in it, what's really in it for us? Yeah. We're not, so we don't really need a giant art piece in our hallway. Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. That's the challenge, isn't it? Finding that intersection between what you really want to do is bring the creativity piece in and what they really want is to solve whatever their problem is. Yes. So where's the intersection mm-hmm. between yeah. those two things? And I feel like, you know, I don't think any your, your, their problems would be solved by taking one workshop. I think it's the whole idea of the mindset and creating a culture of creativity, right? Absolutely. Um, and I love the topic of what's the importance of creativity in the workplace because I really have to like work to define this, especially when, again, like when I'm at networking meetings with finance people who I really have to like, and, you know, if I really stop trying, like, okay, you don't understand yet, like, let's, I'm going to work with someone who does understand first to build yeah. my confidence up, first of all, and we'll get there. We'll, we'll all get there eventually. Um, I feel like creativity impacts business, businesses in both um, subtle and drastic ways, uh, literally by, like, tapping into each person's creativity. Like, organizations can, over time, flourish on innovation by by using everybody's ideas, not just the people at the top. Because again, not, not all the great ideas come from the people at the top. And then also just like on, a, on an individual micro level, there are endless benefits. Um, for me personally, creativity has helped me to trust my gut, right? Let go of control, trust the process, um, to collaborate, to be present and focused. But I'm, and I wrote this one down because I think it was really important. What, I, what I've noticed, and it was very subtle, is that creativity has given me courage. Mm. So the Think whole more about that, yeah. yeah. So the whole creative process of taking something from your mind that you thought of, giving it some form, whether it's in writing or in a piece of art um, or just in speaking it, it takes vulnerability. Uh, and through the process, you build your creative courage. And as you continue to do this over and over, you, you literally develop this muscle that makes it easier for you to jump in and try new things. Uh, it makes you more confident to present your own ideas and speak up. Um, and that really, I think, is the essence that I would like companies to understand about creativity. Because, again, as, we, as I continue to say, like, imagine if everyone in your organization did that. Spoke so up, shared ideas, um, had the courage to jump in and try new things. It would, it would be incredible. I think a lot of people in, in most companies at this point are, they just do their job, right? They don't want to rock the boat. But rocking the boat is how, is how companies innovate. Absolutely. Yeah. And if you have a, a team of people with flabby creative muscles. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> because they're not used to exercising them, right? Right. Then, you know, you go off to your, whatever your offsite or whatever your team, your team offsite to 
ideate. Yes. Say, who's going to speak up? Who's going to speak up? Uh-huh. Right. All those muscles are so weak. They're not going to speak up. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I, so, so it's, so what we do in our work is try to help people envision that envision redefining that culture where you just have ideas floating around all day long and you can just like grab them and develop them. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, of course, you know, you're speaking my language. Yes, I know. (laughs) (laughs) I know I could get a pushback on this call. (laughs) No, definitely preaching to the choir. And I was talking before about going to networking events and meeting business people. Um, who look at me with per- perplexity and doubt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bit like I'm crazy. <laughs> you've seen that look. I know you've seen that look. Oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> I just saw that look on Monday actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I think I was talking to someone else about this today, the other day about how, when you say the word creativity, it triggers a lot of people. Yes, it um, does. Doesn't it? And some people, and just the opposite of what we talked about before, some people are really intimidated by it. And some people, when they walk into my workshop, they see art supplies, like they become that kid right away. Like, ah, yes, this looks amazing. Um, but I would have to say that's not the most common reaction I get. The most comrades are like, uh, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, oh, shoot, there's no PowerPoints? <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so I do see that a lot of people can be intimidated by the idea of creativity in the workplace, and they can't quite seem to find a place for it. So now I try to talk to them and, you know, um, tell them a little bit more about, or, well, first of all, I like to ask, like, like, like what company, name one company, like, that, that's, thrives on staying stagnant, right? Or name a company that can afford to not change and innovate. Um, so this is the kind of creativity that I think we both talk about brings the work environment and giving permission to all the people in the organization to express ideas, thoughts, suggestions um, that have the power to, to innovate. That's, that's really great because then it, it turns it back on them to think about because often people have these preconceived notions about creativity as this like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, it's art, it's painting, it's woo woo. It's like, not for me. Mm -hmm. Whereas creativity embodies so many other, other things aside from just painting or singing or, you know, the ways that you and I might like to express ourselves. Uh It encompasses like any way that human beings create something new (laughs) <laughs> or different in the world, right? As, as humans, really. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I, I do love what you say at the beginning of your podcast, like change your life, change the world. Yeah. Um, and creativity has that power, right? You, you add creativity into your life, you're changing, you will change your life, and then you can change your, the world. Absolutely. Well, it's like the butterfly effect, right? I mean, the butterfly and in the Brazilian rainforest flaps its wings and it shifts molecules or atoms or, you know, shifts the breeze or whatever. Yes. And that affects something that affects something else that affects something else. And the world has changed. Right. So if you, if you change your own life, you have by definition changed the world. Yes. I, I 100% believe that. Yeah. Well, Speaking my language, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm sure you're not shocked. I was going to go in, into the whole conversation about energy, but let's save that for another <laughs> <laughs> Well, what I love, Vaughn, is that 
I, what I love about your story, there's so many things to love about your story, but what I especially love is how you just went out and bought yourself an easel and just started painting furniture and started painting things and, and creating things, even though you have this self-identity as, oh, I'm not an artist. Right. You didn't let that stop you. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, myself included, have a self-identity as, well, I'm not X, Y, Z. And that stops us. But you didn't let that stop you. Why do you think that is? I think it, you know, so what I think it was, was I think it did let it stop me for a long time. It actually did. Like I, that whole idea of, you know, imposter complex, like who am I to do this? Um, I think what helped me was taking small steps. I, I had mentioned a book to you before, Kaizen Muse. Um, One Small Step Can Change Your Life. Dr. Robert Maurer wrote that book. And reading that book, going through this 17-week course training called Kaizen Muse Creativity Training, um, really helped me take the small steps to overcome fear and just do something every day, right? And not, and literally like what I love about that book and this creativity training I did was it was it was based on neuroscience, which I really, you know, when you talk when you talk to me in terms of science, I really get. So both those, the book and that class, both of them talked about the idea that when you say to yourself something like as a creative or as someone who's trying to start a business, I'm gonna work on my business for three hours today and you only work on it for 25 minutes, then you've, like, you, you have told yourself you're a failure, right? Subconsciously, you're like, I failed. But you tell yourself, you know, I'm going to do, do 15 minutes of business planning today or painting today. Chances are you're going to do it for more than 15 minutes. And then once again, subconsciously, you are now successful. So doing that over and over and over again, you change the, um, the brain chemistry. To, to allow yourself to overcome fear and just keep moving forward. So I think the use of small steps um, really allowed me to get to where I am. And when I think about it, it's the tools of creativity that got to me where I am, the tools of letting go, right? When I, um, oftentimes when I paint, and I kind of came to this like in hindsight, because doing a painting, I, I decided to take my office and change it into a co-working space for my four-year-old son and myself. <laughs> oh, neat. Yeah, so I've got my little office. He's got his playroom now. And I literally like, I'm not a carpenter, but I looked at those cabinets. They said, they've got to go. <laughs> uh, the doors have to go. I paint the whole thing white. And then I don't know what else can happen after that. Um, so when I, when I do a project like that, or when I do a painting, it's just about number one, getting started. And then halfway through, I looked at that thing. I said, what is this ever going to be? <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? But then I tell myself, keep going. Right. So you just keep going and you build on it. And what I realized, and again, the lessons of creativity is like, it may not end up being what you thought it was, but it's something. And more often than not, it's something that is supposed to be. It works. Um, and that's how I feel about starting my business. You know, I started it by um, begging and pleading all my friends to come to this workshop. <laughs> Them having a great time. And, and just going with it, not being so, not holding on so fast and tight to the idea of like, but no, this is what my business is supposed to be. I kind of let it evolve. And I really did have to, 
I really just struggled with the idea of like, well, I'm not an artist. Like, what am I doing? Like, I do have my MBA and I've always been in business. Like, who am I to start this art related business? But then I, I said to myself, well, you know, who am I not to? And what, this is the point of my business. We're all creative. Right. So I actually, in hindsight, am the best person to start this. So, yeah, so it's just, it's just I, I don't have how to, don't know a better way to put it than to get past that feeling of the imposter feeling or who am I to. It's just a start. Oh my God. Vaughn, so anybody who is listening, who, who has listened for a while, or who is familiar with my work, will be nodding their heads because (laughs) (laughs) so much of what you have just talked about is, is exactly, you, you have just basically quoted my creative sandbox guideposts right back. Oh my gosh. No wonder we found each other, Melissa. Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) So creative sandbox guidepost number four is think tiny and daily. Uh Um, So the whole concept of small daily acts that you were talking about, that's guidepost number four. Guidepost number two is think process, not product. Mm -hmm. Um, Guidepost number five is just start anywhere. Oh my gosh. I love that the anywhere part really adds to it. (laughs) Yeah. So so many of the things that you just talked about are my entire philosophy. (laughs) It just quoted back to me, my entire philosophy. (laughs) You know, this is only our second time talking, really, right? Really, yeah. Um, there's a the fact that with this, this is so this is a strange analogy, but but you know how people talk about like after like near death experience and, they, and people have the same idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what we're having right now. Like, I didn't know that's what you like that what that's what your your posts are about, and you didn't cue me into what I should say on this. But the ideas are the same. I think there's truth to them is why. Yeah, it's it's universal. I mean, yeah. I mean, there. So I have these ten guideposts for my creative sandbox way, which I developed to help me let go of perfectionist paralysis and get back to creating for joy and for me again after ten years of stuckness. Right. But they're universal principles. It's not like I invented them out of like, oh, this is a brand new idea that nobody's ever had. You know, they're universal principles. So you know, it's not a surprise that that we're having this like Vulcan mind belt moment right here. Mm-hmm. But um, the other thing I was going to say is, you know, it's, 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 so it's sort of amusing to me that, that you have the self identity as not an artist because I look at you and I see artist. That, it, you know, it's so interesting how you, how we each see ourselves, right? Yeah. I think, I think for me it's because I have spent so many years not identifying as an artist. Um, and I, and, I, and really, I, I might, I might need to look at that and change how I talk about myself because I do look at the things I do. And if I saw someone else doing this, I would probably call them an artist. Yeah. It's interesting. And I mean, I could see how it, it would be perhaps useful for you from your for your business uh-huh. to tell your clients, you know, the people in your workshops, well, I'm not an artist. You can, I can do this. You can do this too. Right. But there's something about the way we talk about ourselves that, I mean, I, I, I think about this frequently. Like I, I refer to my, the, the art that I've creating lately, I started calling it 
doodling as a way to scare the gremlins away. Mm -hmm. Because if I talk about it as art, you know, then it puts pressure on it, right? And so I started, have lately been experimenting with referring to it as miniature abstract black and white drawings. Well, that sounds a little more artistic, right? Than doodles. Uh And, 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 but now I just recently signed up for this um, membership thing called the Doodle Institute by this woman, Diane Black, who I'm interviewing tomorrow for the podcast, who's a graphic facilitator and she teaches doodling and she calls it doodling which yeah. is representational doodles, representational drawings like icons and things for graph, like ultimately, like if you want to become a graphic recorder, that kind of thing. Got it. And, and I do, like my jam is abstract, but mm-hmm. I'm getting back into more representational art through these courses that I'm taking from this woman, Diane Black. Anyway, and she refers to herself as the doodle girl and I started calling my, my drawings doodles as this sort of way of lowering the pressure, uh-huh, right? Right. And she embraces that term. And she calls all of her drawings doodles as this, she doesn't think of it as like a oh, less, yeah. she doesn't think of like less than, it's, it's you know, it's, it's, what a, it is. it's what it is. And she's very proud of it. And it's, my, and it's her art. Yeah, it's her art. She's it's her art, right. Yes. So it's really interesting the way we classify labels. Absolutely. Anyway. And, and look, like the other thing is like, again, like the imposter syndrome or, you know, or complex or the whole idea of like, Oh, is this something that anyone will like, if I thought to myself, like, Oh, I'm going to start a doodling business. I would, I would talk myself out of that very quickly, but she just went for it. Like this totally is, went for this it. This is what I do, and and so I, I I have a business mentor, and something he's has said to me several times is, no one is ever going to give you permission to be the expert, right? Like you just have to start. You have to go out there and take in as much information as you can, learn, and you make yourself into the expert. Um, and while you're making yourself in the expert, like we said, just start. Just start and have that growth mindset. I'm sure you know or read the book Mindset by, um, is it Carol Dweck? Carol Dweck, Dweck, yeah. Carol Dweck. Um, yeah, just have that mindset of like, I'm just going to start and I can grow. And I can make, mis- I'm allowed to make mistakes and I can grow. Yes, yeah. Well, I have, I have one more question before we get to our something cools. Okay. And that is... Now that you are bringing your your art, your creativity stuff into corporate, into the into these corporate spaces, how has that affected your relationship with the creative stuff that you're doing for yourself? It's it's actually made me more creative. And even even though I'm busier, again, that whole idea of creative courage and just I think the the more is addicting almost like the more creativity you bring into your life, the more the more ideas you have. Mm. All of a sudden, I look at a wall. I'm like, oh, that could use a mural, <laughs> right? Or or instead of opening a notebook and just like writing notes, I'm like, oh, let me bring out my my watercolors and take my notes in watercolors or markers. So it really, even though I don't have as much time for creativity, I 
you know, before I had my own business, like I had plenty of time like, like to, to do art, but did I know I watched Netflix. <laughs> but now that I am doing work I love and I brought creativity back in my, into my life in a professional way, it's allowed me, um, it's given me more ideas about how to be creative in, in my own life. Like my, our house currently is like I looked at my house the other day and said, why does the house have to be one color? <laughs> so I'm now in the process of painting my house multiple colors. <laughs> right? So I feel like it's, it's, it's added to my personal creative life. Oh, that is so cool. I love it. That's yes. really great to hear. Yes. And, and what's great too is, um, you know, I, have, I, I think I've mentioned I have a four-year-old. He's involved in it too. And what, and what I do really love, again, like the one of my the, one of the impetus for starting this business and getting out of um, the corporate world for me was having this child and say, thinking to myself, like, I don't want to just be in a career because it's making me lots of money. Like, I don't want to, I don't want him to see his mom that way. So what really warms my heart is when he says things like, "Oh, mama, are you working today? Are you are you arting today?" <laughs> Oh, wow. You know, and I love that, you know, like I'm, I do art and I love what I do. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. That makes me really happy. Yes. Well, let's move on to our something cool. What is your something cool? Okay. So I've thought long and hard about this. <laughs> and what I want to share with you and all your listeners is, um, Cape gooseberries. Have you heard of them? I have not. Okay, so I discovered Cape gooseberries about seven years ago at a farmer's market in New York City. And I searched and searched for them for years on end and couldn't find them anywhere. So I had to buy seeds. So what these are, they're like they're the sweetest little crunchy tomatoes in a husk. And you just eat, you just tear off the husk, you pop them in, and it's literally like eating candy. Um, so yeah, I was thinking like, oh, what, what cool, innovative book or app can I share with them? Like, no, Cape Gooseberries. <laughs> Everyone should have a Cape Gooseberries. <laughs> um, so, and, and this came to my mind cause I was, you know, I was thinking about what to bring and I was looking at my backyard. I'm like, oh, we need to plant something new in, in the, in the garden. I thought, oh, I'm going to plant Cape Gooseberries again. Oh, so, great. So you just grow them in your, in your yard. I just grow them in my backyard now. Yeah. Cause that's the only way I can get a steady flow of them. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if your listeners have tried them, they know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, uh, order them online or seeds online and you're in for a real treat. And do they need full sun or what kind of. Um, okay. So now you're talking to someone who just like puts seeds in the ground and hopes for the best. So what is your yard? Like where our yard, where I, where I have it, it's sunny. Just okay. And basically all day long. And they grow well there. They do grow well there, yes. Okay. So presumably they grow well where it's sunny. Where it's sunny, yes. Or, right. or not. <laughs> <laughs> they're like a tomato. So whatever you would grow a tomato in is what you should grow it in. <laughs> but they're really sweet. Oh, they're so sweet and crunchy. I feel like I should send you some now, Melissa. <laughs> when, when mine grow again, I'll send you some. Oh, yay. I'll get a little care package. Yes. I can't wait. <laughs> I've heard of them. I mean, I've heard of gooseberries, but I've okay. never had any. These are these are not gooseberries. They're cape gooseberries. Cape gooseberries. So gooseberries are actually berries, right? 
I, I don't know. Yeah, I think gooseberries are berries. So these are, um, these are tomatoes. Oh, they're literally tomatoes. Yeah. They're oh. little tomatoes. Yeah. They're little tiny um, orange tomatoes, very crispy. I can't, clearly I can't stop talking about them. <laughs> <laughs> they sound wonderful. <laughs> oh, that's what I, I don't think anybody has shared a, a horticultural project <laughs> product before for something cool. So this is a first. So. <laughs> awesome. And I'm going to share for my something cool. It's a, it actually is semi-related. It's a kitchen gadget. It's, oh. it's just this little OXO. Uh, I should have brought it so you could, you could see it since we're, we happen to be on video, but nobody else would be able to see it. It's a right. little measuring cup that's made of some kind of transparent plastic. But what's really cool about it is that when you put it in your sink to fill it up with water and you can see from the top Oh um, yeah. So instead of fe- seeing from the side, the right. you know when it hits the half cup and one Got cup it. and one and a quarter and you know whatever, you can actually read from the top of the measuring cup. And I will include a link and a and photo, presuming I can find one. <laughs> I'm right. sure I can find one on Amazon or whatever of what it looks like, so you can visualize what I'm talking about. Yes. But it's just this little inexpensive little measuring cup, and I use it all the time, even though I usually don't like plastic items. Mm -hmm. uh, It's just so freaking handy. So you don't have to like put it on your counter and see, look to this, you know, look, tilt your head and see, is it at the two cup mark? You can actually see looking down. And you want someone use some creative problem solving to come up with that. (laughs) Somebody (laughs) use some mighty creative problem solving to come up with that. So that's this week's something cool for me. It's just a handy dandy little two cup measuring cup. Love it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, fun. This has been so incredibly fun and super inspiring. And I have all kinds of great ideas from you. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me, Melissa. Yeah. Thank you so much. And hopefully I'll talk with you soon. Absolutely. That's it. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Van Lai Dumont. Let me know if you resonated. And thank you so much for joining me today. If you are getting value out of this podcast, share it with a friend. And I would be super appreciative if you would take a moment hop on over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. This is not just for me. This is actually how you can make the world a better place because the reviews are how other people find the show. When people are searching for podcasts, they do a little search, and podcasts with more reviews are the ones that pop up when they search. So if you leave a review and a rating, hopefully it's five star, (laughs) it will help Live Creative Now show up on other people's searches and it will help change other people's lives for the better. So go leave a review over on iTunes, a rating and review. And if you email me to let me know that you left that review and let me know how the podcast has made a difference in your own life, then 
you may get to be on the show because that is how you apply to be considered for a listener spotlight. Periodically, I spotlight listeners. And if you leave a rating and review over on iTunes, let me know how the podcast has made a difference in your own life, then I might pick you to be featured on the show and we'll have a really fun, relaxed conversation. And that would be super duper cool. So hop on over to iTunes, leave that review, send me an email and yeah, I'd be super grateful. So that's it. Until next time, thanks again for joining me and go get creating. Subscribe at livecreativenow.com.